0: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody. What's going on? We're in the old Rolling Mobile studio. Today is Thursday. It is the 31st of May, 2018. Let's get that contact info up, and then we'll jump in with the first segment of the show. If you'd like to contact me, I have a couple of ways to do so. The voicemail is area code 206-745-2731. If you want to send an email into me, or if you'd like to record some audio and have me put it on the show, the email address is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, FirearmsCafe at ProtonMail.com Over on the website, which is FirearmsCafe.com I do have buttons for Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all that jazz There is also a PayPal donation button And if you are ever so inclined to send me something That is by far the easiest way You just click on that and then put in whatever amount you would like No amount is too small All right Let's go ahead and jump in with the first segment of today's show. And I need to ask your you guys for some help. A while back, I bought a Ruger light. It's the it's a Mark III. And the, the Ruger light I think was kind of designed uh, for people to run suppressors on it or, or to be a, a suppressor host, however you want to call it. So anyway I bought it used got it off the uh, the used market and got a fair price for it I think now the problem I had came to when I was trying to do some uh, upgrades and on that particular model on the mark III, Ruger and in their infinite wisdom you know had the magazine disconnect where it won't fire with there's a magazine so I did an upgrade from Tandem cross or Tandem cross I think I mispronounced it and I got the, the bushing that goes in there and it makes it to where you can, uh, you don't have to, to uh, have the magazine in there. So it basically eliminates the magazine disconnect. There we go. That's a, that's a nice long winded roundabout way to say that. I also did another upgrade to the, uh, I guess it would be the bolt release. So where if you've got a spring that holds it up, what it allows you to do is you can sling, what they call slingshot the back of it. So you can grab onto the back of the bolt carrier on those little things and you can pull it back and then you can release it and it'll go into battery. Prior to that, it it didn't do that. So, you know, a lot of the designs with Ruger are... uh, a lot of the stuff that they did under their old leadership was just it was garbage it was unnecessary they were stupid they were stupid design decisions uh, basically uh, i don't know but it seemed like they were purposely designed to hamper you as the end user of your own firearm uh, you know i have that's one of my big pet peeves is when people try to protect people from themselves, that type of thing, and I felt that Ruger was one of the companies that was a big kind of proponent of that, especially when it was under uh, sort of that old school management type stuff. So you know, you can go back and you can look at the stuff that was on the old 1022s. Uh, you know, where you you. You really had to finagle the thing to get the bolt released. You had to really screw around with the mag release. You know, so anyway, all that stuff. But, so another thing that I wanted to do. Let's get back to kind of what my uh, dilemma is or my problem is. That I need some suggestions from you guys. So, I wanted to... uh, They also have, again, the loaded chamber indicator. Which is nonsensical when you look at... How the actual part is designed, and you know, it it doesn't really do anything for you. All it really does, because the way that it's designed, is there is a metal tab, we'll say, for lack of a better word, that is inside the barrel, and when or inside the chamber, I guess, not inside the barrel, but it's inside the chamber, and that when the round goes up, what happens is that metal tab is pressed on by the rim of your round of ammunition and so it pushes that out well what can happen is if it gets a little gunked up or a little dirty it can cause accuracy issues It can also cause certain malfunctions and if you can remove that thing then that's just one less thing that you're doing it's kind of like that thing of of we've talked about before about stacking tolerances Uh, Well, if this thing is just off a little bit, and this thing is off a little bit, and this thing is off a little bit, well, it all starts to add up, and then you get something where you can have the potentiality for problems becomes much higher if those things were either done correctly or weren't there at all. So again, with that loaded chamber indicator, that's something that is not needed. It's one of those lawyer-type things. Um, Again, you should sort of know the state of your firearms. Also, in theory, some of that stuff maybe could fail uh, you know anyway but again, that's kind of a uh, maybe a discussion to be had on a later show uh, relying when you when you're when you really kind of rely on mechanical safeties and things like that as opposed to having good mental firearms discipline if you know if that makes sense, if you know what I mean. So anyway, normally on this thing, what happens is there is a pin that goes up through kind of that that, the side of the the upper receiver i guess and it's done on mine it's done up through the bottom and that pin goes up into its little housing there and it it goes through a hole in the actual uh, loaded chamber indicator how mechanism or I, I don't really know exactly how to say it. But anyway, what you're supposed to be able to do is you can take that pin out. The way that it's the way that it's put in there, and I'll what I'll do is I'll take a couple of pictures to show you guys. But the way that it's put in there, it's very difficult. You can't really get a grip on it. So what Tandem Cross and some other people on there recommend is they say, oh well what you can do is you can get a strong magnet, the the pin is steel. You can get a strong magnet, and then you can just sort of run it down the side of your upper receiver, and it will catch, and it will just you know. You have to do it a few times; it'll come right out. Well, guess what? On mine, it's not coming out. It's not coming out at all. I tried every trick that I could think of. I tried. Uh, I got like a, a rare earth magnet. Tried that, didn't work. I got some uh, really good penetrating oil to go down there. I tried solvents. I used, uh, again, like that Gibbs penetrating oil, which is some of the better penetrating oil that's out there. I tried to uh, drill maybe into the pin a little bit, but what would happen is that the drill bits that I have aren't... I don't know if the pin is harder than that, so what they would do is they just basically skate off of it. Also, it's so small that it's hard to get any type of a divot in there because I thought what I could do is, well, I can drill into it and then get that drill bit in there and just pull it out. It's a part that I'm not going to reuse. I had also thought about, but I didn't try this, but I'd also thought about, well, what I could do is maybe take the Dremel and one of the little cutting discs and cut a slot into that pin and then I can take a a small little regular head screwdriver and then kind of twist it around and see if I could get it out that way. Maybe if I could get the initial twist on it going and get some movement on it, it would actually work. So I I hesitate to do that because again, it is a small little pin and there's not a lot of room and I don't want to cut into the receiver. It may eventually come to that It may come to the thing where I take it into a gunsmith or something like that. You know, I even tried, I had a little uh, piece of brass rod and I tried to super glue it, but the bond wasn't good enough. It, it, It wouldn't take. So I thought, well, what I could maybe do is take this little bit of rod, super glue it to the pin, and then I can try and pull it out. But I couldn't get it to form a good bond. So of that stuff that I've mentioned, does anybody out there have any suggestions for me short of... Trying to you know maybe taking it into a uh, a gunsmith or something like that. I would I, I would hate to do that because I have the part. So let me know what your guys' suggestions are. What you think I should do on that? Uh, don't say sell it and then buy like a Mark IV because uh, I actually like the gun. It's a neat little gun, uh, and I've got the upgrades made to it that I want. And, you know, it's a funny thing. People kind of complain about taking that thing apart and doing this and that and the other thing. But if you do some of those upgrades, especially if you get rid of that magazine disconnect, and once you take it apart a few times, it's not too bad. Also, I bought a little... Oh, I forget the name of it. And I'll put a picture of that up as well. But it was like a little helper type thing that you can do. It's got a little loop, another thing, and a little punch deal. And it's all kind of uh, put into one tool so to speak like i said i'll put a uh, if it's still available i'll put a link up to it to where i got it from all right guys i am arriving at my destination so the segment for today is going to come to a close and i will talk to you guys here in a couple of seconds Hey, guess what? You've been time warped. It's actually the 4th of June. I'm sitting in a park doing my recording here. Hopefully you'll be able maybe to pick up the sounds of the birds. I don't know if my little iPod mic will or iPhone mic I guess I should say will be able to do that or not. I'm using the earbud setup again. So anyway, when last I left you, I was talking about the pistol that I have and trying to get that loaded chamber indicator pin out. And I still need those suggestions. I've tried some other stuff in the ensuing days. No luck, not getting any love for getting the pin out. The only other thing I can think to do, since the pin is steel and the receiver, the upper is aluminum, maybe stick it in the freezer for a few hours or overnight. See if it will have enough of uh, the difference in materials. Maybe the cold will affect it enough to where I can get it out with a magnet or something like that. I hesitate to use heat on there for the reason that the, um, I think the steel will expand with heat. That's what I don't want. But maybe I should, maybe I should try and heat it and then freeze it and kind of see what it does. I I don't know again if that will do enough what I will do today is I'll pop on Instagram I'll put a picture of the receiver and that little pin up that I'm trying to get out so that you guys can check that thing out and I'm gonna try and get the show out today it may be a little bit shorter show maybe around like 20 minutes or so Um, the the way that the scheduling kind of worked out didn't do too great last weekend I got together with Sid and he and I recorded a show for the Armed Ape podcast. So there is some content out there. And for those, I know a lot of guys that listen to this show also listen to that and actually kind of like that show. So I'm trying to get that up and going. And we shall see. But anyway, I don't go too much into it because I do some explaining on the Armed Ape. So if you want to give that a listen, go over there and do that. Check it out. I think you'll like it. I think it's a nice, it's nice to have a a co-host sort of bounce back and forth with. So anyway, another reason I hesitate, we'll get back to the 2245, another reason I hesitate to do that, to put heat on it, is the part of the loaded chamber indicator res- uh, assembly, for lack of a better term, is plastic. So I don't want to get it too hot and melt the actual indicator bar that pops out when a round is in the chamber. So we'll see about that. Anyway, let's, uh, let's talk about a, a little bit of uh, unrelated stuff, but more firearms-centric. I saw an article about an FBI agent that shot somebody at a wedding. And no, it wasn't... If you haven't heard about it, no, it wasn't a thing where somebody was going crazy and trying to stab a bunch of the attendees. Apparently... He was dancing around and did a backflip. His gun came out and dropped it. And if you just read the headlines, what you would probably be led to believe is that, oh, he dropped the gun and blammo, it went off. Well, that's not what happened. Again, he was messing around. The firearm came out of the holster, supposedly when he did a backflip. And the gun fired when he bent down to pick it up. Meaning that he put his hand inside and onto, inside the trigger guard and actually onto the trigger. Ended up shooting a guy in the leg. That guy went to the hospital. I don't know, again, sometimes with the reporting, the way that they say it because they, they, it's clickbait and all this other stuff. But even when they report some of this stuff, they say that, yeah, he got shot. But who knows? Maybe it was a grazing thing, so it was just like a flesh wound. I don't know whether it went kind of through and through the leg or where he got shot in the leg, that type of thing. Sometimes the bullet will skid on the ground and maybe, like, again, once the bullet leaves the gun, they can do kind of funny things. But this guy, you know, this FBI agent, this guy should be being brought up on charges because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if that were you or I that were at a wedding and that happened, we'd be getting charged. There'd be something that was that would happen to us. What'll happen with this guy? Probably nothing. The agency is probably going to rally around him and say, well... You know, we shouldn't have done that. And it was just an accident, but you know, we need to have our highly trained guys. They need to be armed all the time. You know, when you're in law enforcement, you're never truly off duty, blah, blah, blah. So the double standard that's gonna be there for that guy is mind boggling. Although, you know, I I guess if you're any type of a student of history, you sort of learn very quickly that the government will protect its own if for the only reason that it protects its own power. It's not necessarily that the government gives two craps about this guy because they don't, him as an individual or as a person, they don't, but they do care about sort of the image of the agency and wanting to maintain and keep power and wanting to keep a specialized, privileged class and a privileged status for themselves. But an interesting thing. Well, uh, before we go on and talk about that, let's talk a little bit about all the stuff that this guy did wrong. So I'm sure the guy probably was drinking. I'm sure there's probably some alcohol involved. Whether or not they'll say that he was You know, I don't know. I think there will probably be some sort of inquiry about it, but of course it'll all be internal. It won't really be brought out to the public. I'm sure the guy will get some type of a reprimand, probably keep his job. Eventually he'll be promoted. Uh, You know, it's like that ATF guy a long time ago that was messing around with his gun inside the classroom and shot it, you know, after he said, nobody in here has the training or whatever he said that I do, or I can't remember his exact words. Forgive the plane going over probably the FBI circling to find out what I'm saying. They've heard about what I'm talking about. So anyway, again, the guy broke tons of safety rules. So let's say that he was consuming alcohol. Well, that's really not a good idea to be doing while you're armed. And I know some people would say, well, you know, if you could have a beer or two, that's fine. I don't know. I'm sort of of two minds of that. If if you're at your house or if you're at a restaurant and you're eating food and you're not going to drink to excess and you sort of know yourself, can you have a a drink of beer? Can you have a, a beer with dinner or something like that and still have your gun on you? I'd say, yeah. But the bigger question is if you're armed, do you and you and something went down and there was any type of question about kind of how stuff went down. Do you want it to come out that you had been drinking? Even if you said, well, I only had one beer and I drink all the time and that doesn't really affect me. And a good prosecutor is going to tear you to shreds on that. So, that's the first thing. Again, like I said, will they even admit that he was drinking? Probably won't. I don't know. There may if they may have to if there was enough witnesses that said, "Well, yeah, we saw him. He was like pounding beers like crazy." Or maybe he wasn't. You know, maybe the truth of the matter is is the guy wasn't drinking at all. So anyway, he's there. He's got his gun all holstered up. Sort of leads me to ask another question. Well, what kind of holster do you have? Obviously the retention isn't good enough. A lot of times when we look at holsters We want to be able to take the fully loaded gun because that's the state how we carry it So a full magazine in there loaded and we want to be able to shake it Upside down and see well does the gun stay in there does it come out? And that's just on like a kydex if you look at something like some of the safari lands that has a or what do they call it? ALS or ASL or something. Anyway, it's I think it's ALS, Automatic Locking System, where a lot of times it will click in on either the. And I'm not saying this is what how Safari Land does it, but you, certain holsters will have that thing where it clicks onto maybe the trigger guard or it clicks onto the ejection port, um, and I think that's how Safari Land does it. And then that way, if you've got a light or whatever other things on there it's designed to where you, once you put it in the holster, it clicks in. Is that foolproof? Is it 100%? No, but something like that would probably be a lot better than just a friction fit with Kydex. So getting back to that, was it something like that? Was it a holster where it's a hybrid? So it's sort of like crossbreed or alien gear, some of those other things, where mainly it's a friction fit. And the way that those work is once you've got it on and on your body, the the pressure from your belt and your body it gets sandwiched in there and so you've got the kydex which gives it a little bit of a grip and then you've got your body pressing on either the leather or whatever material the nylon material and that kinda gives you your friction fit with those though if you're running if you're doing things like that the movement of your body can cause there to be some movement with the gun in the holster and that's why some people Don't like the idea of the hybrid stuff because you can't, it can kind of loosen up over time, especially if it's leather. The leather moves and stretches depending on how it's constructed, depending on whether there's a sweat guard on it or not. There can be some issues with reholstering, uh, where sometimes maybe the leather can get uh, again, depending on how it is, depending on how you're putting it in there, a piece of the leather can go in let's say part of the sweat guard if you're if you're holstering it up high and you're reholstering you're putting it back in it wouldn't be unheard of or impossible for a piece of that leather to get caught in the trigger guard and then have as you force it down into the holster it causes a discharge or you know did the holster that he have was it a, a, a full kydex where it's a full body kydex and again you're you're depending still on that friction fit for it to go on there uh, most holsters are uh, the reality is that they're kind of a compromise and you just have to pick the compromise that you want to live with even the police their holsters are at a certain point still a compromise the compromise is well quick access versus retainability and since the policeman is walking around or the beat cop or the, you know, that guy is kind of walking around with a gun on his hip exposed, there needs to be some retention there. So, getting back to to the FBI guy again, we don't know what kind of holster he has. At least I don't. Maybe that stuff will come out a little bit later. But then supposedly what happened was is that he did a backflip at the wedding and that's when the gun came out and like i'd said earlier the way sometimes it's reported or if you're just looking at the headline it would seem like oh something happened the gun came out and blammo went off well again he violated a safety rule when he bit down to retrieve the firearm hand right into the trigger guard right on the trigger blammo when he goes to pick it up and some poor slob gets, whether it's a flesh wound or a through and through or whatever, some guy gets shot. So again, when the guy goes to pick up his weapon, he's not observing really the safety rules. He's not keeping his finger off the trigger. He's not being careful about where the muzzle is. He's not paying attention really to his environment. You know, was it a thing that when when it came out, what went through his mind was, oh crap, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. You know, retrieve it, retrieve it, retrieve it. You know, maybe I can get it before people sort of notice. And I'm sure that's what he did. He did sort of a monkey grab, like we all do with our primate brains, and just reach down to grab it and get a good solid grip on it. And that's what he did. So it will be like I said, it will be interesting to see sort of what happens to this guy, if anything. But like I said, if it were you and I that were doing it and we don't have our first class citizen card. Or actually, probably the first-class citizens are really the politicians because they're the ones that can really, unless something goes terribly wrong, they're the ones that can really cover stuff up and get privilege. Then probably law enforcement is second. And fourth or fifth, I'm sure there's other things in there. A fourth or fifth down in there is uh, you and I, the average guy. You know, you'd probably be looking at stuff like judiciary and legislators and things like that, which I guess maybe the legislators, I'm sure they fall under politicians. But if you're not one of some of the big ones that are up in the uh, federal government, if you're just kind of a lowly state official, you may have a little bit more problems unless you're a governor type thing. Anyway, what I think I'm going to try and do this week, and I'll do a little bit of a range report on it, I am gonna take my, remember I was talking about a while back the um, polymer 80 that I had done. I think I might try and do that. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow. I'll go out to the range and I had originally tried to design it to have it be a dedicated 22. But I think what I may do is take it and put my 17 upper on there. And fire a few rounds through it, see kind of how it feels, see what it does, see how it performs. Uh, I have zero expectations of what it will do. I don't know whether it will blast through flawlessly or if it will be plagued with problems. Uh, we'll kind of see on there. When, I, when I've put the upper on there before, it, see, it, it locks back. Uh, the Glock 17 upper, that is. It locks back. It rides in there. There doesn't seem to be any binding. Uh, it doesn't get hung up on anything. So we'll see on that. We'll take it out to the old range and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Maybe I'll try and do that tomorrow. Um, I know that uh, the the way that it is now, the Advantage Arms conversion kit for 22 for the Glock 17 will not work on there. I need to remove some material and do some other things but I did want to see how that works. And then once I do the modifications on that, on that polymer 80 frame, I'll I'll put the 17, the nine mil back on and see how it does. See if, if it does anything. I don't, I wouldn't envision that it would make much of a difference. I'm just going to be removing some material. If anything, it'll maybe make it a little, it'll give it a little bit more room to move around in there, so to speak, so anyway i will when i do that stuff too i'll put up a video on the polymer 80 thing and i'll also maybe put some pictures up today on instagram so i've got a lot of photography to do today put some things up there all right guys i tell you what i am going to call it to a close today hopefully again you can hear the birds chirping it's always nice to be outside and kind of be in the world as much as possible. It's nice. To, I always like to come to a park and sit sometimes and just listen to the birds chirp and watch people kind of go by. And It's a, it's a nice way to sort of recenter. It's uh, not necessarily a ritual. It's probably something I should do. Uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe on the next show I'll talk a little bit about ritual how it can help you and in some ways maybe it can hurt you a little bit. But I think the the pluses outweigh the minuses as far as having some rituals that you do. Alright, I will talk to you guys next time.